I think it's a good practice in, in, our, in our hurried life. Uh, I think another word that came from that last song was uh, uh, the anxiety that we deal with. Uh, I think we all have those, right? And just to pause and to, uh, to sit in God's presence, to sit with him as he calls us to sit with him. Now I want you to do this with me. Everybody stand up. Did you hear that? Did you feel that? <laughs> I noticed that like there were a few like up, and there are others that are like, oh, you know. And I don't know how you, I mean, that's the, kind of the way I feel like this morning. Maybe you heard the bones creak or, or the back kind of, oh, and, and you, you, even that breathing, breathing it, oh, I can't believe Lola's making me stand up. I'm, I, we've been standing up throughout the entire service, okay? It's, but recognize as you stand here, uh, in, at, where is your weight resting? It's in your legs, it's in your feet, maybe it's here. And it's, that's where you are. There's, you're exerting some energy to be able to stand here. Now go ahead and sit back down. Did you hear that? <laughs> what did you feel? I, yeah, right? It is that, oh, okay, thank you, for, Lowell, for letting me <laughs> sit down, giving me permission. And I think after a hard day's work, uh, a hard week that we may have had, when we sit, when we come into our house and we're in the comfort of our home, we sit down in the easy chair and we're resting. Uh, and we just, we, we, we breathe out. And, and that's a very real thing. Where is your weight resting? There's very little energy that you have to exert by sitting in your chair. The chair is, is the place that's taking all of, all of the weight of your being, okay? And, uh, and then if you are like me, a couch is even better. <laughs> Just stretch out my legs and put my head on a pillow, and that's, that's wonderful. Maybe we should uh, have recliners at church. I don't know. <laughs> I hear some hands uh, uh, clapping on that one. Yes, yes, yes. It takes very little energy uh, for us to sit. And that's the posture that I would like for us to kind of think about this morning. Now, I want to start off uh, by just recognizing where we are. Last week, uh, Pat, in his message, in his departure message, shared the heart of Paul from the letter to the Ephesians. And it's a prayer that is one that, he, that the Paul prayed for his church, and it's one that he prayed, that Pat prayed for us. It happens to be one of my absolute favorite verses in all of Scripture. I oftentimes will go back to Ephesians chapter 3. Paul's words ring out. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. There's a posture there from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches... He may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love, there's that sitting, there's that posture, that's where we start, may have power together with all of the saints. So it's something that we enjoy in community with one another. That's what our family does. You may have power together with all of the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, 
What Paul is saying in, in just this, this phrase is that I am not going to understand the depth of the riches of God's love unless I do that together in community. You cannot do this by yourself. It is not something that you walk alone. I don't care how, how deep your devotional life is. You need, we need one another, and that's God's intention for us. We grasp the depth and the riches of his love together. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, now to him who is able, and I love this, and we all love this, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can possibly ask or imagine. It's beyond our prayers, beyond our imagination, beyond our dreams, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And I, I love that phrase. We kind of paused right there. Immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Any dreamers in here? I'm a dreamer, okay? Anybody, anybody dare to dream? Come on. I know we got dreamers in here. You think about, you think, you imagine, you, you long for something greater and bigger, okay? And the, re, the reality is for us that are dreamers, and, and I am, I, I love to dream. I love to think about what things could be. And that's why I say yes to too many things, because I'm like, oh, I love that idea. I'll just go and do it without counting the cost, all right? And so uh, those of us that are dreamers, the problem is it's good to be a dreamer. Please, I'm not saying it's a bad thing to be a dreamer. And I think Livingstone's church, we have dreams. We, have, we imagine. We, want, we think about what we'd like to see happen in the, on the south side of South Bend. But the reality is that for some of us, for dreamers, is that sometimes, oftentimes it feels that those dreams are not realized, right? And so we lose heart. And that's sometimes where I find myself as a dreamer. It's, I'm up here, excited about doing something, and then I crash. I'm defeated. And there's this big letdown. And I'm so fixated on this dream that I lose sight oftentimes of the purpose that I was seeking to accomplish in the first place. Because I was so attached to the things that I was doing, I forgot why I was doing it. And I miss, even in those times when we're struggling to realize those dreams, I miss the opportunity that is in that moment for me to learn and to grow, that there is something that God wants us to see, something that God wants us to understand. And it is so easy to lose sight, to forget why we set out to do this thing in the first place. Is there perhaps a reason that God has me on this path? Even deeper is the impact that this has on our community, our body, our family, because life does not happen in a vacuum. Think about that for just a minute. Think about how you feel about life right now. Maybe even think about how you feel about life in our congregation. And we think, we internalize it. We think about how I feel in the moment about that. But sometimes we don't, what we don't recognize 
And if we'll pause a moment, we can say, we can understand that there are consequences and there are circumstances that are beyond us. And we have to now live with this. We don't feel that we caused it. It doesn't seem fair to us, and we are left with the hurt that we don't know what to do with. And sometimes, to be honest, for me, it's just a very selfish attitude. And I can hear the voice saying, Lowell, it's not all about you. It's not all about you. The pain and the loss that you might be feeling right now may pale in comparison to the pain and the loss the other people might be feeling. If we can pause a moment and get some perspective, we might be able to see God's greater purpose that is beyond our minute dreams. And we may not have ever understood these purposes had we not been on this path in the first place. The second part of that phrase, that phrase immeasurably more than we all, than we ask or imagine, what is it? The second part is, according to his power that is at work in us. See, it's not about me. It's about us together following someone who is faithful still, who is sovereign in all of these things. So Christianity, our spirituality, the thing that we do together in community does not begin with walking. It does not begin with doing. It begins with sitting, being present. Our relationship with Christ starts by sitting with him. And you and I can be restored first by sitting with Jesus. We, as a church, can renew our purpose by first sitting with Jesus. And as individuals, we can renew our spirit in the same way that we come constantly to this place where Jesus sits with us and we sit with him and he speaks truth. So how do we do this? How do we do this? First, we trust that Jesus accomplished his purpose, which is so key. It is so foundational. Listen to these words from Paul. In Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to start at verse 15. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints... I'm going to pause as I go through because I think about as Paul is writing this, he's hearing this about the church. He's hearing this about this body of believers, and he's giving thanks. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heaven, in the heavenly realms. He seated him at the right hand of God in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and every title that has been given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his head 
under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. What is Christ's position first? He's seated. Now pause for a minute and just think of the significance that Jesus is seated. He sat down. Now most of us make the mistake of trying to walk in order to sit. Our natural reason says if we do not walk, how can we reach our goal? How can we ever get anywhere if we do not move, right? But if you go back to verse 3 of that same chapter, Paul talks, he starts by saying, Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He's given us everything that we need. And we are invited at the very beginning here to sit and enjoy his good gift by faith. Now, if you think about that for a minute, it's reminiscent of another story of long ago. Okay? When in history, when in history we, do we know that God sat down? When? When did he accomplish some work and he proclaimed it good? This is, in many ways, this is, it's a, it's a throwback. It is a hint. On the, on the sixth day, God had accomplished all of his work and he said it was very good. And then what did God do after that? We know that he rested, right? Not that he took a nap or he was exhausted, but that he enjoyed it. He took it in. He sat down in it. And then what did God do? Uh, uh, and what does Adam, when does he enter into the scene? When did God make man? Remember your creation story? On the sixth day. Think about the, think about the timeline there for a minute. The last thing that God created was you and I, humanity. And so what is the first thing that you and I do if we're with God in the garden? And we are. What do we do? Our first task is not to do. Our first task is not to steward. Our first task is to sit with God. So there's an order here that's, that is in, it's in the whole story there, it was not morning and evening. There was evening and morning the first day, evening and morning the second day, evening and morning the third day, and so on and so forth. Our day always starts in the evening when we rest. And then we get up and we move. And in this rhythm, God sits down and he, after he creates man, and in a very real way, he says, come sit with me. Come sit with me. Ponder that. It is because of God's work of creation that uh, was truly complete in Adam's life could we begin to rest. And here is the gospel. Here is the gospel. That God has gone one step further and has completed also the work of redemption and we need not do anything else but enter into it. We enter into it. Secondly, as we sit, as, as God sits, and we sit with him, 
we let go of our striving and join him. We join him. I hear, this is what I hear, don't just sit there, do something. Get off your lazy and get up and do something. You fill in the blank for what you hear in your head. When we strive, right? I mean, that's just, the, that's our nature, I think, at times. Our way of controlling what we don't know and understand is to try to make up for our past mistakes. We look at that laundry list of things that are behind us and all of those mistakes we, that we made, and if you're like me, I'm always trying to fix those things. And so I look at, those, uh, at that list, and I'm striving. I'm striving. I, I'm, I'm using that word striving in a very negative way. Or... We look at the past and we see all of the good things and we're always trying to replicate the good things. It's all about the feelings that I have, the feeling that I I have failed or the feeling that I want to be in this happy, comfortable place. We can't let go of either of them because it's all that we know. Unfortunately, like our predecessors, Adam and Eve, we don't trust the good thing that God gave us and we try to grasp, we strive, thinking in our minds that we, we know better right? That's really what Adam and Eve were sinning with. It's like, I'm not trusting God, so I'm going to, I'm going to try this for myself. Instead of sitting with God, or as Adam did, walking in the coolness of the day with God, he walked away from him, and he tried to trust in something else, trying to trust in himself. And for him, it was not enough. So the next part of this letter, Paul then describes what our position is. Let's dig into that. Chapter 2, starting at verse 1. And as, you, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. And like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So what we talked about Jesus' posture. What is our posture? To sit. God seated us with Jesus. Now that's powerful. This is salvation that we receive as a gift from God, not by any of our works that we do, not by our walking, but because of his great love for us. And he seats us there. I think... Probably one of the reasons why we have a problem with this is because of the way that we judge time. (laughs) I don't know uh, uh, if 
I, I'm I in my new job at the Notre Dame Law School. Uh, I'm I'm scheduling appointments for people, and I'm scheduling events, and I'm scheduling activities. And the word that has entered into my vocabulary is to calendar it, which means that I you know I I, I make this event on the calendar, and I event I invite all of these different people, and I select a room, and everything's on a calendar. And if I don't see a spot in your calendar, I can't invite you into that space. And everything is judged by. 15-minute, 30-minute, one-hour increments. And you know how hard that is to do with people who are busy? It's nearly impossible because everybody is so busy and everybody is so important. But that's the way we judge our time. It's called chronos time. Uh, We have all of those days when in order to get the things we consider important done, we must schedule every moment, every hour, and I str- the struggle I have is at the end of the day, when I've scheduled all of those things, even on a day when it's supposed to be a day of enjoyment and rest, but I'm so busy, I look back at the day and I'm like, what happened? What have I accomplished? Who, who did I say that to? Who did I talk to? You know, what did, and I, and I, and I see like, oh my gosh, the day just whizzed by and I feel like I have nothing to show for it. Not only that, uh, just think of the way that it devalues other people when I'm so busy and I'm so scheduled. Now, I'm not saying that those calendaring things are bad. (laughs) It's a tool that we use. But chronology, chronos time is so measured and so scheduled that I miss out in my striving. But instead, I believe that the scriptures teach us more about what's called kairos time. The gospel speaks of this in these, this phrase, the fullness of time. Thomas Merton, will, who is a contemplative, will write these words or say these words. The Bible is concerned with time's fullness the time for an event to happen, the time for an emotion to be felt, the time for harvest and for the celebration of a harvest. We begin to see history not as a collection of events interrupting what we must get done. Instead, we see time in light of God in history. And so our time, much like our own Selves, and if we attach it to who we are, it needs to be converted. We need a conversion here from mere chronology to Kairos time, where opportunity, these moments are ripe for their intended purpose. We understand that something could be happening in all of this. We get glimpses of how God might be working out his purpose in our day. And that's why Paul will write these words. It's one that I think we hold on to as an encouragement. And maybe it's one of those verses that are kind of a crutch for us. But can we see the depth of these words and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes? So what is my response? What is, let me, think, let, me, let me put it to you this way. One of the other words in that, 
in that scripture from Ephesians, and I emphasized it, was grace. It's a gift of grace. What is your natural response when you receive a gift? Especially when it's a gift that it was unexpected. Somebody brings you a gift. It's a, maybe wrapped up in a nice package. Or maybe, maybe it's a check. <laughs> you know? And, or, or maybe it's even cash. And you didn't expect it. Okay? How do you feel? How do you feel about that gift? I... Uh, Yesterday, we celebrated uh, Katie's dad's birthday. There were, there were 14 of us in our backyard, and, and so we had this little event out there. It was, it was just a beautiful day, beautiful weather, wonderful games, a lot of laughter, and, and a pile of gifts. And we were all focusing our attention on this one man that we love, and he enjoyed it. I just love the smile on his face and just, I'll accept all of these, I'll accept all of these gifts. But I think if we're honest with ourselves, many of us, when we receive a gift, we think, how am I going to repay that person, right? Why is it? Why is it that we have such a hard time just receiving? And I think that's just a question that we all need to, we, know, we all need to ask ourselves. How do I do when somebody just gives me a gift? Can I just accept it? Which is, I think, our response, our only response that makes any sense in this posture of sitting, and that is that we grace, gratefully receive his gift of grace. Look at the next two verses here in Ephesians chapter 2. For it is by grace you have been saved. There he goes again, saying the same thing. Through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works. Not by works, so that none of us can boast. Uh, the only thing we can do, the only thing that we can do is receive the only thing that we can do is to receive, gratefully to receive. This is where it starts. I, I, love, the image, I love the image of the bench. Um, I have another picture uh, from Katie's family that is just beautiful to me. Uh, on, on her grandma's porch uh, sat a, uh, one of those old steel gliders, you know? And uh, it, it will always be emblazoned in my mind. My, my, my grandfather had his porch swing, but it was always a place to come and sit. It was an invitation that says, come sit with me for a little while and let's chat. Let's talk. Let's stop all that we are doing. And it is in those moments that we sit with somebody that we love and we let go of everything else that we're so busy with, that that person will express, even in just their posture, their acceptance of us, their love for us. And that's what we hang on to. And so I just want you to imagine this morning that that, that is what Jesus is doing. As he is sitting, having accomplished his task, of 
rescuing us, of renewing us, of restoring us into relationship with him, he says, come here. Forget about what you're doing and come sit. I need that every day. I, I'm having a hard time with it because I know that I am a striver. I know that I oftentimes feel that I am not enough. And I think sometimes we can do that as a church, too. We think, well, just, if I could just do a little bit more, if we could just replicate that thing that we had before, but I think there's no better posture for us to start with, to start with, than to come and sit and let our Father tell us what we need to hear. He loves us. He loves you. He loves us. And together, we will understand the height, depth, width, and breadth of God's love. So close your eyes again. Let's do this one more time. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am. Be still and no. Be still. Be. I left off one verse on purpose because I want to close with this verse. Because this is what we will hear as we sit with Jesus. Paul will say in verse 10, for we are God's workmanship. Mm. No matter what you believe about yourself, just think about that for a moment. I was created by God. We are his workmanship. That's a different kind of a word. I love that. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Like he planned this in advance. Every one of us in this room has a place which God prepared in advance for us to do. We're, we're going to talk about that next week. We're going to talk about walking. But may I encourage you this week, don't go there yet. Sit here and hear the words of our Heavenly Father. Amen. Let me pray, and uh, then we'll go into our time of communion. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you, Father, for your great love for us that calls us your beloved sons and daughters. Thank you, Father, for calling us together as a church uh, that we might sit in that purpose, that we might recognize the power that you had over sin and death and the grave, and you completed your task, and you invite us to sit there with you in that reality. In Jesus' name, amen.